I want to welcome you to our Bible study this evening and encourage you to take your Bibles and open them to James chapter 3, where James is delivering a classic discourse on the tongue. And we know that Jesus taught that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh. And so we're picking on the tongue as it were because it reveals the heart that is in us and it really declares our level of spiritual maturity. And James is going to get really specific with some illustrations to this truth in our study this evening. In James chapter 3, I want to begin by reading verse 3. Behold, James is getting our attention. Look, look at what we do. We put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now James is a teacher and you can hear that he is trying to get our attention. There is something that he is desperate for us to see. Behold, look at the horse. Behold, look at the ship. Behold, look at the fire that your tongue can kindle. And we certainly want to look at those things that he wants us to see this evening. It is striking that the Jewish rabbis of James Day used to say that the tongue was an arrow. And the reason they said the tongue was an arrow, because just like an arrow, it can kill at a distance. And the deadliness of the tongue was that it could kill, can kill, without even being anywhere near the victim. Someone wrote this, Nowhere is the union of faith and works more visible than in our speech. Faith without works is dead. And nowhere is that union any more visible than in our speech. I don't know who did the counting, but it has been stated that the average person speaks between 18 to 25,000 words a day. That on average, it's been calculated, we could put together a 54-page book Every single day. I'm going to be honest. I could probably do more than that with as much as I run my mouth. If you're an average person, in effect, you'll spend nearly one-fifth of your life speaking. Between that and sleep, there's not a lot left with which to be productive. And what we say is very important. I've already referenced it is a revealer of our heart. But the fact is, it also sets the direction for our very lives. People's lives have been enabled by the use of their tongue, and they have been hindered by the use of their tongue. Another said this, 
The course of our lives often is determined by the wisdom or foolishness of our words. He said, just as Job once made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully after a woman, and just as Daniel purposed in his heart not to be defiled by the king's meat, so David purposed that his mouth would not transgress and his tongue would not steer him into sin. Our tongue steers us. Now that's important because that's really what James is wanting us to see, to look at this evening. We, he went on to write, have to make up our minds that by God's grace and with his help, our tongues will steer our lives with wisdom from above. It is interesting, is it not, that James takes up this kind of scriptural real estate to talk about something that probably we rarely consider, the power of our tongue. It's such a small thing, yet it is a mighty force in our lives. In effect, there's no other part of our body which is any larger or stronger in influence than our tongue. Now, Webster may define the tongue as that movable muscular structure that is attached to the floor of our mouth, but the scripture takes it a step further and says the tongue, though it is small, is actually large in influence because it is attached to the contents of our heart. And James, in this discourse, has given us two illustrations that he's desperate for us to consider. One is consider, behold, we put bits in horses' mouths. We take that slender bit and combine it with the bridle and we steer the massive horse. In effect, he is saying, don't be confused. That horse is still bigger than you are. It is still stronger than you are. Yet you control it with the placement of that slender little bit. The proper pressure with that bit turns that horse around. And in this analogy, of course, that bit is our tongue and our tongue controls our body. Something less powerful, something seemingly small, controlling something more powerful and large. His second illustration is, look, take a look at the ships and note the language which he uses. They be so great. They're driven about by fierce winds. He's really trying to build this up. Look at these ships in the sea. They're so massive, driven about by fierce winds, and yet they are turned with the small, the very small helm. Do you see what he's doing even within the language? Behold the horse. Behold the ship. Behold the fire the tongue kindleth. Look at this ship. It's so great. It is driven about by fierce winds, and yet it is steered by the very small helm. I can almost, in my mind and in my imagination, hear James delivering this message. He is trying to paint a very vivid picture with the words that he is using. That little, that very small helm, that very small rudder makes the difference 
on that great ship which is being driven about by fierce winds. They're so great, driven by something so small, so strong, controlled by something so small. So also, he says to us, is the tongue. A very small thing controlling the larger portion of life. It boasts of great things. Note what he said again in verse 5. Even so, just like the little bit in the horse's mouth, and just like the very small helm on the great big ship, even so, just like that, so is the tongue. It's a little member, and yet it boasteth great things. Behold, look how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Look at fire. Fire is so destructive. And James is desperate for us to grasp the damage, the destruction that we can inflict with our tongue. Perhaps there's no greater need than for us to understand this. This is affecting every portion, every facet of your existence. This is affecting your friendships. This is affecting your marital relationship. This is affecting your kids. This is affecting your parents. This is affecting your coworkers. This is affecting your influence. This is affecting how high the arc of your life. This is affecting the gospel message. How incredibly important it is for us to understand this. Thoughts that pass through our minds. Emotions that arise in our heart which is deceitful and desperately wicked and we cannot possibly fully understand it, come out of our mouth in words and effectively set the direction of our lives. Now again, stay within the context. Dig into the analogy, the illustrations of James as he teaches us. Look at the bit. This massive, powerful horse is being steered, literally its entire direction, all of its energy, its forward motion, is being steered about by the little bit. Look at this great big ship, this impressive ship. Fierce winds drive it forward, yet it is steered by a very small helm. Get this, understand this, even so is your and my tongue, a little member, and it is direction-setting. It's driving us. It's pulling us. It's turning us. It's stopping forward momentum or enabling it. Do you grasp that your tongue can strengthen your marriage or hurt your marriage? It's a direction setter within your marriage. You understand that your tongue can distance people from you or draw people to you. It is either helping or hindering your influence. Understand that your tongue can literally speak words of life and communicate words of grace or corrupt communication. That which is destructive can come out. And and there's no middle ground. Let not any mouth Send out corrupt communication, but every word should be a word that edifies, ministering grace to the hearers. This is a direction setter. The tongue is so small. 
That's what James is telling us. But it is leading your life and it can lead you to success or it can lead you to ruin. Now, let me take a step back because, again, we grasp that when we're talking about the tongue, we're kind of giving some human persona to the tongue. But we know what James is telling us is it's a revealer of the heart. That's the union between faith and works. It's declaring our spiritual maturity. So really, when we talk about controlling our tongues, I do think that there is evidence within this passage of Scripture that says at times, just don't say anything. Ultimately, change your heart so that your heart is right, but get control of your tongue. In order to get control of your tongue, you have to change the condition of your heart. So effectively, we're not talking about just muting ourselves or muzzling our mouth, but rather being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm going to speak words of life, if I'm going to have edifying speech, if I'm going to have words of grace, all of that has to be in my heart. I have to yield to the Holy Spirit. We're talking about spirit control over and above mere tongue control. Because you see, put a rider on a horse and it's controlling that bit which steers the horse. Have an expert helmsman, have an expert governor, to use this Bible term, a captain, and he can control that ship. But we're not expert. We've got to surrender to the Holy Spirit to help us. That's why David prayed in Psalm 141.3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. He's surrendering. I don't trust myself. Lord, you have to set a watch, a guard. It's a military term. Keep the gate and please keep the door of my lips. Don't let corrupt speech come out. Man, that takes on all shapes and sizes. And we'll dig into that in the coming weeks. David prays again in Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth, and he couples it together, and the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. He's telling us in the Old Testament what, what Jesus teaches us in the New Testament and what we know to be true. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let them both line up and be acceptable unto the Lord. How often have you considered your need to pray that prayer? How often have you taken a step back and been convicted with the reality that your speech or my speech is actually not acceptable unto the Lord? You say, well, that's a really high standard. We all know what is acceptable or unacceptable behavior, and corrupt speech is unacceptable to the Lord. And David is praying, Lord, help me set a watch Keep the door of my lips. May, he's praying, let the meditation of my heart, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. The Lord is the only one. The Holy Spirit is the only one strong enough, wise enough to enable us to control our lips, our tongue, our speech. Every once in a while, the old Puritan writers have stuff that is still relevant and helpful. And Thomas Manton, who was a Puritan pastor way back in the 1600s, had these notes concerning these verses in James. He said, first, we must rebuke others all the more tenderly. We all need forgiveness and we all slip up along these same paths. 
So we need to grasp that even when we rebuke, we need to ease up. We need to tenderize our words. We all need to speak more tenderly. He then said this, second, we need to depend on God's grace all the more earnestly. We must yield to the Holy Spirit, and we grasp this in most areas of our lives. I just wonder if it trickles down to that very small member that is the tongue. All the more earnestly, we must be aware of our dependence upon God. He then said we must magnify the love of God all the more gratefully. He said it's not enough to stop saying things, but to begin saying things. It's not enough to just take the acidity out of our words, but we must begin to put the sweetness in them. It's not enough to just limit the words of corruption. We must begin to speak words of edification. Not just words that destroy, stopping that, but actively speaking words that build. You carry your heart within you. It's going where you go. And what is coming out of it, this tongue is actually setting the direction of your life. Behold, look at this. Three times he's been begging us to look how destructive a fire is. Look how destructive a fire is. One wrote this, fire has the capacity to effectively reproduce in an unlimited way as long as there is something to burn. Water, he said, is poured out, and that's all you get. It doesn't create more water having spread out, but fire will burn indefinitely as long as there is enough flammable material and oxygen. It is incredibly destructive in its power. Now, James using this analogy is tied to something that Solomon wrote in Proverbs 26.20. Now, Fire has the ability, as long as there is something to burn, to continue to grow and to do great destruction. Solomon said this. Hear the wisdom in what Solomon says in Proverbs 26, 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Now that makes sense. Where there is no combustible material, the fire is ultimately going to go out. Where there is no wood, the fire is going to go out. Now, here's what Solomon directly ties this to in Proverbs 26, 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. And then he says, so where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. The tongue of the talebearer, the tongue of the gossip, the tongue of the one who won't forgive and stays embittered and stays vocal and won't let it rest, keeps the fire going. Where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. So, where there is no talebearer, the strife actually ceases. Isn't that an amazing thing? Look how destructive fire can be, and the scripture ties it to our words. Have you ever burned someone down with your words? Have you ever burnt down a home with the speech that came out of your mouth? You ever burnt down somebody's life? You ever burned through a relationship? You ever burn somebody? Really, you're burning yourself. Where there is no wood there, the fire goes out. Where the tongue of the talebearer doesn't exist, the strife actually ceases. Behold, take a look at how destructive fire can actually be. There's a story I remember learning. 
in history way back in elementary school of the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. You may remember where Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over a lantern while the cow was being milked and the fire from that lantern which kicked over spread throughout Chicago, destroying over three miles of the city and 17,000 buildings, leaving over 100,000 people homeless and 300 people died and the fire burned for two days. When it was finally put out, it took the city of Chicago more than $400 million in that era to rebuild. How destructive. And it's the perfect analogy. It fits right in with what James is trying to get us to see. Look at the little bit. Look at the little helm. Look at the little tongue. But behold how much damage it can do. Look at that little lantern. Contained, but when cut loose, what damage? And that's why I started with how the Jewish rabbis see the tongue. It's like an arrow. It actually can destroy in an area that it's not even physically near. Words travel. This is something that James is desperate for us to grasp. We're carrying around, and I don't want to be flippant or silly, but a weapon of mass destruction. We can do mass destruction. We have amazing firepower. It sounds somewhat like a pun in this context, in our mouths. Solomon said this in Proverbs 16, 27, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. That doesn't mean he takes a live coal and puts it in his mouth. We know that this is illustrative. A man who's digging up evil, the talebearer. I'm just trying to get us to see these places in Scripture where the tongue and a fire are connected together. He'll write this in Proverbs 17, 27. But he that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. A spirit of excellence actually spares words. A digger up of evil carries fire in their mouth. It's good for us to pause and to hear James three times over try to snap us too. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths and we turn them wherever we want them to go. This giant, powerful animal steered by a little bit. Behold, the ships that are out there on the sea, how great they are. Driven by fierce winds, yet steered by a very small helm. The tongue, it's also a little member. Behold, look! at how great a matter a little fire kindleth. It's kind of hard to come to grips with, and we can flat say it. Some of us are where we are in life because of our mouths. It has steered us to a place and a life of less than. It's steered our marriage to a position of less than it could be. We've hurt kids, hurt our parents, Hurt co-workers, hurt employees, hurt employers, hurt fellow believers, hurt neighbors on the street, hurt a coach on a team, hurt an umpire or referee at a game, hurt somebody who cut us off in traffic, hurt somebody out in public. Behold, look at how destructive your tongue can be. And then under the control of the Holy Spirit, begin to grow in your capacity to have an excellent spirit, limited speech, Stop the corruption, begin the edification. Don't just stop bad, start good. 
This is so practical. It's incredibly helpful. David taught us that it's a matter of prayer, and so it is for us something to take before God and surrender to the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, the practicality, the simplicity, yet the strength of this teaching. Help us to humble ourselves, to see ourselves, to confess our sins, to seek to submit to the Holy Spirit, to honor you in our speech. May truly the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.